Thanks for checking out the Renew Life Church podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that today's message encourages you. Uh, you got your Bibles turned with me to Hebrews chapter 12. I'm going gonna, uh, gonna to hustle because I've only got 27 minutes left. But, uh, and anybody that believes I'm going to only go 27 minutes has not been here very long. But um, I, I do want to jump right in because this is one of those rare Sundays where the Lord gave me a very clear uh, very, very clear message a little while ago. He gave me the phrase of the message. Uh, it, was, it was something super, super clear, so it lets me know he's got a very specific assignment for today's service. Uh, the, the title of today's message is, What About the Middle? What About the Middle? So if you're a note taker, which means you'll have an extra story on your mansion in heaven, you can write down, What About the Middle? in your notes. But uh, turn in your Bibles to Hebrews 12. We'll get there in just a second. But I want to start off telling a, a bit of a story because this, this will help define what I'm tr- the point I'm trying to make. Uh, I don't know if I've shared too much of this. Some of you already know this, but uh, when I was a kid, uh, my whole pursuit of, or my whole dream as a kid was to become a college baseball player. I wanted to be a college baseball player. I wanted to get a college scholarship, and so most of my my younger years in junior high and in senior high and high school was in pursuit of a baseball career. In fact, my senior year in high school, I actually transferred from the school that I was at to go to a private school. Uh, to focus on baseball year-round and kind of walked away from football and the opportunity to play college football and, and really, really focused uh, on, on baseball. And so that was my pursuit. had an amazing coach, had an amazing team. And so that, that was what I was going after. Well, by, the, by graduation of my senior year, I had still yet to have been offered a scholarship in baseball. And so I was playing with the, the, the summer team, the travel team, and uh, during that time I was traveling uh, all over this area, spent a lot of time playing some summer ball in the Midland area. Uh, that was one of the first times Leanne got to see me in my stretchy pants. And um, if you've ever had one of her albums and or some of her albums, and you've seen a song that she wrote called "Field of Dreams," just saying, me stretchy pants, field of dreams. What, what more can I say? Um, so I, that was kind of my deal. And so anyway, in that summer, it was in that summer league that I had a game in Abilene, actually, and the Midland College of all places. The Midland College coach was there, uh, and they didn't even have a baseball program at the time. They were starting their very first ever baseball program, and so he saw me play a game. He had seen me play some others. He saw me play a game in Abilene, and he walked out to the bus, actually, after the game, and I'd had a particularly good game, and he just walked up right there in the parking lot, and he says, I'd like to offer you a scholarship. And so it was one of the most you know, unbelievable moments of my life, this thing you've worked so hard for your whole life. You, you, you've got it. So this was the beginning of my college career, it was it was absolutely incredible. And you you, you think of oh I'm, I'm a college and I'm gonna I'm gonna get I'm gonna be all conference and I'm gonna go to the pros. There's all these thoughts that come with it. There's just all this energy right there on that moment. And fast forward four years, uh, four years later, uh, I'm finishing four years of college baseball. I'm finishing at a school in Tennessee, uh, and I had an incredible senior year and just one that you can't even make any sense of it, to be honest with you. End up leading the top three in the nation in hitting, set the school record for most hits uh, in, a se- in a season, uh, and like I said, led the nation in multiple categories and was named an All-American my senior year and, and got a chance to play pro- professional baseball. And so if you take these two markers, and so that was, the, that, that was my college career given the very starting point and the finish line. And it's really easy to think that there's this amazing starting line of this last bottom of the ninth moment, you're offered the scholarship in a parking lot in Abilene Christian University, and then you fast forward to All-American, school records, chance to play pro ball, your dreams coming true, and think, man, it must have been an incredible four years. 
Well, let me just tell you, those, those, the in-between, the middle, uh, at times was nothing short of pure hell in my life. Nothing short of pure hell. In fact, when I went to Midland College, I didn't know this at the time, but the coach that I started playing for was, was an atheist. So right off the bat, we're off to a good start. And, and it, to be honest with you, of course, I was a punk too, so there were some things that had to be worked through there. But uh, it, <laughs> don't laugh too hard over there. Don't, there was way too much laughing going on over there. So, so no, I, I had some things to work through, but it, it was very, very difficult. And I, I'll tell you right now, I was unprepared emotionally, mentally for what I endured, the, 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 the words that were said to me and how stupid I was. <laughs> I remember one time I was in the outfield and uh, the coach always had a certain way we had to catch fly balls and he, he left the field. So uh, I was going to goof around and, and, and catch a ball however I wanted to catch a ball, you know. So the pop fly goes up, and, and I look around, and I know the coach wasn't there, so the pop fly goes up, and so I do a little behind-the-back little catch like that with, you know, the, the little one-legger, and all of a sudden, he had snuck around the outfield and was watching from the outfield fence, and I'm telling you, he called me so many interesting names um, <laughs> as he marched across the entire outfield, and he, I remember him saying, Connor, you will never, ever, ever, ever be good enough ever be good enough to catch a ball like that again. And so, he, I mean, just would rip me to shreds. I, I, I hated life. I hated baseball. I hated him more than anything. And uh, it, it was, to be quite honest, it was miserable. Uh, it, it was, so many things happened. I, I remember he, he, the coach missed the first game of the history in, uh, of, of Midland College baseball because of an emergency appendectomy. So my freshman year, he misses the inaugural game, which was kind of a big deal. So the second year, my sophomore year comes around, and we're getting ready for the last or the first game of my sophomore season. So this will be his first opening game uh, as the head coach of Midland College. Well, just the week before, we were doing an inter-squad scrimmage. He was pitching. I was playing first. Long story short, I get caught in a rundown, and the coach is coming from behind me to tag me with the ball or to, to get me caught in the rundown. I turned, and I, I, I wanted to make contact, but I made more contact than I intended on making. And ended up hitting the, my head coach in the face with my elbow, uh, fracturing his orbital bone, his jaw, and a few other things. So he has to go to the emergency, knocks him out, goes to the emergency room, has to have reconstructive surgery on the side of his face. They're missing the first game of my sophomore season. I have no idea why he didn't like me, none whatsoever. Um, I remember my dad, we went to visit, I, I felt terrible, we went to visit him in the emergency room, and, uh, and we're in there, and he was laying on the laying face in a way, so we walk in the room, his wife's like, I don't know, maybe now may not be a good time, but I'll, I'll see, and so she's like, uh, hey, hey, coach, so, someone's here, someone's here to see you, and he rolls over, and when he sees it is me, he goes, and just rolls back over. <laughs> I'll just pray from a distance from you, bro. I'll just, stay it, I'll just be honest, it was, it was two years of hell. My dad, con my dad had to convince me to keep playing. I was ready to quit. I was ready to give up. My dad ended up convincing me to keep playing baseball. Fast forward a little bit more, uh, and, and you, most of you already know this story, but here we are in my junior year now. I'm fixing to start my junior season uh, in, in Tennessee, and just a few weeks before the spring season starts, we get the worst phone call of our lives and find out that Lena's entire family has been killed in a plane crash. So I spend the spring season not just focused on baseball, but focused on my wife and focused on life and focused on a whole lot of other things that were a whole lot more important than baseball. But I, I, I tell you this story because then, then the next two years is, to be quite honest with you, it's trying to survive. It's trying to survive. It's trying to do life and understand what 
how to deal with such a tragedy. And so I, I, I'm telling you this story because what I, what I genuinely feel is that most people have a story like that, not maybe exactly with those specifics. Maybe it wasn't, maybe your dream wasn't to play college baseball. Maybe your dream was something else. Maybe your passions were something else. And you had an amazing beginning and a promise of an amazing end. But then there was that nasty, ugly middle. Anybody else ever felt like you've been caught in the middle? You've been caught in the middle and you don't know what to do in the middle. You got off to a good start. There's this natural energy. There's this natural momentum at the start of something, the honeymoon phase, if you will, of something. And then there's the, there's the, there's the finish line at the end. And when you can start to see the finish line, all of a sudden the energy returns and you got to push to the, to the end. But it's, it's not the beginning. It's not the end that's the issue. It's the middle. And I just want to talk to you today just a little bit about the middle. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says this, therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely to us and let us run with endurance, run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. The King James Version actually says the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the middle. He endured the cross, despising the shame and the seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, see, unfortunately, as a child, I was raised where we read this scripture a lot, but we, inter- we interjected a, a, a phrase that I guess we felt like the Holy Spirit forgot to put in here. And so what we would say, and I don't know necessarily why we would say this, but we would say, he is the author, he is the developer, and he is the finisher of our faith. Now, that's not what the scripture says. That's just what we would say. And the problem with that is all of a sudden, when you think that all of a sudden God, he's the author, he's the developer, he's the finisher. He's, in the, he's the beginning, he's the middle, he's the end. Just sign up. This is going to be the greatest ride of your life. Inadvertently, that little inserting of he's the developer almost leads you to be, believe that he's going to take care of all of it. You don't have to do anything. Everything's going to be great. Everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be roses. Just sign up for the greatest journey in human history. Now, don't misunderstand me. I do believe the pursuit of God and, and what he has for you is the greatest journey in human history. But what I will tell you, and I hate to be the spoiler alert here, is that's actually not how it always goes. There's always this middle section where God isn't the developer of your faith. He asks us to develop our faith. There will be some times in the middle where you'll be, I, I'll, I'll just tell you, in case you haven't experienced the middle yet, you'll feel like there's no God at all. You'll, now, he, he's there. We know what the scriptures say. We can even quote the scriptures. Lord, I know you'll never leave me or forsake me. And then in the back of our mind, we're like, yeah, but where the heck are you? Anybody else ever been there? It's not the beginning that's difficult. It's not the end when you can see the, the promise inside. It's the nasty, ugly middle at times. I want to read you a scripture. This lets me know that God understands this. God knows about the middle. Romans 4, 17 says this. Because as it is written, I've made three, I've made thee a father of many nations, and before him whom I believed, even God who quickeneth the dead, and I'm reading from the King James Version here, and calleth, calleth those things that be not as though they were. There's another scripture we grew up, and, and, and we, I love the idea that we follow in God's footsteps, and we call those things that be not as though they were. We call those things that be not our, as though they were. It's, it's a statement of faith. We speak into something that's not there as if it were there. But I, when I see that phrase, call those things that be not, that lets me know there's going to be some times that be not. 
You know you're supposed to be healed, but you be not healed yet. The Bible says he makes us the head, not the tail, above only and not beneath, but you be not the head right now. You be the tail right now. Your marriage be not looking so hot right now. Your kids be not acting right right now. You're, you be not as prosperous as you thought you would be at this point in your life. You be not where you thought God was calling you to be. It's in that when you be not yet. Anybody else ever been in be not? Anybody in be not in some way, shape, or form? What are we talking about? We're talking about the middle. What do we do when things be not? What do we do in the middle before we're holding the promises, before we're living in what God has called us to live in? I, I feel pretty strongly about this, and I've got several things to say, so I know I'm not going to finish them all today, and so we're going to continue this uh, next week, this What About the Middle series. But I want to give you just three things today, three things that I think will not only sustain you in the middle, but prosper you in the middle. How many of you are, believe that God will sustain you? He will. But how about, let's just do one better. How about he prospers us in the middle? How about we actually enjoy the middle? How about we win in the middle? Here's three things that I've learned will help you in the middle. In the middle, you're going to need his word. In the middle, you're going to need his word. The Bible says this in Psalm 119, 105, says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light into my path. One of the things that I've learned about the, the middle is people lose their direction. You get started off on a good note. You start going in the right direction, but all of a sudden you look up one day and you're like, now, how, did, how did we get way over here? How did we get to the point where our family hasn't been to church in six months? How did I get to the point where me and my husband aren't even sleeping in the same room anymore? I, I, you go back to the honeymoon and we slept in the same room a lot. But now all of a sudden we're, we're nowhere near the same room. We're nowhere near the things of God. We're nowhere near church. We started a business, and we're going to do things the right way, and we're not going to make the mistakes that this person made and that person made, and all of a sudden, you look up, and we're kind of making the same mistakes and kind of doing the same things, and all of a sudden, you're like, now, how in the world did I get over here? See, the Bible says that his word is a lamp into our feet. It lights our path as if to tell us this is the way that you're supposed to be going. This is the direction that you're supposed to be going. I'll just say this right now. That is why it is so so important just to come to church. It's so important just to come to church because the Bible talks about this concept of the washing of the water of the word. Did you know when you come to church, the word just washes wrong thinking right out of your mind? Just washes it out. You don't know how it happened. You just know that you, all of a sudden you just look up and all of a sudden you just don't think the way that you used to think. The Bible says as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So if you're not continually putting yourself, not, and I'll just say this, that's why I believe in church, that's why I believe in podcasts, that's why I believe in books, that's why I believe in... Did you know you can actually listen to preaching more than just on Sunday? It's crazy, I know. It's crazy. We live in a day and an age where you can get your hands on some of the most amazing teaching absolutely free if you just want it bad enough. If you just actually believe that if you're going to survive the middle, if you're going to be sustained in the middle, if you're going to prosper in the middle, you're going to need his word. And so sometimes we just get lost. We get off track. We get going in a direction we should have never got going, and it would have never happened. And I'm not saying you meant to go that direction. You know, most lost people didn't try to get lost. 
Most lost people didn't try to get lost. They didn't wake up and say, I'm getting the car, and I'm clearly going to go the wrong way today. You don't do that. But if you don't have a light shining in front of you that's telling you which way to go, you ever walked, wandered around in the dark? You ever just wandered around? Even in an area you know well, you've ever walked around in your room in the dark, and somehow your pinky toe finds that little stump every single time? Would have never happened. Would have never happened if you'd had the light on. Some of you are walking around life and you keep stubbing your pinky toe and then saying that word you're not supposed to say when you stub your pinky toe. And you're like, oh my God, I know that this thing is here. How do I not? Why do I keep doing this? Because the word is a lamp unto your feet. Maybe it's not an issue of the enemy attacking you. Maybe you just need a little more word in your life. Maybe it's like, you know what, I'm going to download. I, I remember sharing this with a friend of mine one time. And he's like, I was like, hey, you, do you download podcasts and listen to podcasts throughout the rest of the week? It's like, if you think of your spirit as a man, your spirit man needs to eat just like your physical body needs to eat. You don't feed your natural body once a week. Why don't you stop feeding your spiritual body just once a week and start feeding your spiritual body every single day? He's like, well, I never thought of that. The word is a lamp unto your feet. The Bible also says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. To get through the middle, to sustain in the middle, to prosper in the middle, it's going to require some faith. It's going to require you to trust in the promises more than what you see in, in real life. Your natural circumstances are going to scream at you that you're not going to get where the Bible says by faith you will get. It's going to require faith to get through the middle, and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Some of you, that's that, that simple enough right there. You're struggling in the middle. You're going, to need, you're going to need the word in the middle. Second thing in the middle, you're going to need his presence. And I'm really passionate about that, this particular point this morning because uh, I, was a, I was the type of person, and I, just, I believe that there's a lot of you actually in the room today, that you're the kind of person that during worship, and don't get self-conscious about this, but I watch some of you during worship, and I think to myself, if I just were to look at their face, I would say that they do not want to be here Crickets, okay. Um, I've actually, you know what I've actually had people tell me? I said, yeah, I don't really need the worship. I usually come to church late on purpose because I really just need that word. I just need that word. Why don't you listen to the words of, of Moses here, Exodus 33, starting in verse 12, verse 15. It says, Moses said to the Lord, see, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name. And you've also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. So all of a sudden, Moses is like, if I've got favor, well, tell me how I'm, what it is that I'm doing that, it, that gives me this favor. I want to know how to do this. He says, consider, too, that it is this, this nation is your people. By the way, this wasn't my idea, Lord. These are your people. These are your people. And check this out. He says, and he said, my Lord says to him, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And Moses says back, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. He's like, oh, I didn't know your presence not going with us was an option because if your presence ain't going, I ain't going. What, has, what had Moses encountered in the presence of God that made him say, oh, no, 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 hang on a second. If you think I'm fixing to go on this journey without your presence, you're crazy. Moses had encountered something that let him know, 
I can handle the start by myself sometimes. It seems like the start's easy. I can cross the finish line once I can see it. That seems easy. But there's something about the middle. There's something about the middle of this journey that I know I'm not going to get if I don't get in your presence. If I don't have your presence, I'm not going to make it. If your presence ain't going, I'm not going. Because I'm not going to make it in the middle without your presence. And I'll just tell you the fastest, quickest, most surefire way to get it into the presence of God is with worship and thanksgiving. And I, only, I, I know this by Scripture. Psalms 100 says this, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. So something happens in terms of proximity. You enter into his courts. You enter, you enter into his area with praise and thanksgiving. Now, some of you are sitting there thinking because you're a thinker, and that's totally okay because I'm a thinker too. You're not a feeler. Feelers, they're a little easier for them to get into worship where thinkers sometimes like, oh, I just need my word. I just, I don't need to worship. I just need my word. And so I, I get that, but I'm just going to tell you the word is supposed to that word, great that you're a thinker. But if you read that word enough, it's going to cause you to get into his presence. And I know that by personal experience because I was a thinker and I would read about guys like David who said he was a man after God's own heart. I would read that this guy David made mistake after mistake after mistake, but God still stuck with him. He never gave up on David. David did amazing things for God, but David also had some things that he did concerning worship. The Bible said David would lay before the Lord. What do you need to lay before the Lord for? What are we got to lay down for? Seems a little ridiculous, David. But here's what happened. This thinker brain of mine, because who loved the word, I, I, I'm saying this because I feel you. I, 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 I wanted that word. I love that word. But all of a sudden, that word told me that there was this man who was after God's heart, who did amazing things for God, and he did things different than I was doing them. And the Bible said he would lay before the Lord in worship. And I remember starting saying, okay, Lord, this is going to seem really weird, but I guess we're going to lay down today about to do this. And I remember going through this season where I began to just lay, I mean, you, and I'm telling you, you're going to feel so dumb when you do this. I just laid down. I got down on my knees and, all, and I just laid there, nose on the carpet. Went, all right, Lord, I'm laying. I'm laying before the Lord, hoping you show up soon because my neck is turning red. But something began to happen. When, when I started doing what other people that I saw had a, had a relationship with God and what got them a certain result, when I was willing to read the word but let the word trigger me to do something that I'd never done before and worship in a way that I had never worshiped before, all of a sudden the presence of God filled that place. You've heard the story. It was shortly after that I began having these encounters and I actually physically saw Jesus that Jesus physically came and laid with me one Sunday morning. And I'll just tell you, God made you a thinker. And that's okay that you start off on this journey where the word seems more powerful than the presence and, 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 and the black and white seems more you than this, this mystical world. But if that, doesn't enter, if that word, if you don't allow that word to cause you to do things so that you might worship like you've never worshipped, that you go after things that you've never gone after before, you'll never get to where that word was intended to get you in the first place, and that's in his presence. God saw fit to start almost everything he's ever done with written word. The redemptive process of grace, the new covenant, began with him etching the law in stone. That was the beginning of the redemptive process. You're like, hang on, that was the, that was the Ten Commandments. That was the law. No, there had to be a transgression before there could be a redemption. 
And before there was a law that says you were doing it wrong, no one knew if they were doing it wrong, so there couldn't be really a sin. You couldn't be redeemed from sin if there wasn't a sin. So he etches it in stone. He starts almost every single thing that he does with written. He saw fit that this new, we as the new covenant believers had this Bible. And that's great. But if this Bible doesn't lead you to the person this Bible's about, you miss the whole point of the Bible. It was never intent that we just ascend mentally to an understanding of who God is and what he's like and how he operates. It was to get to know him and to be with him. And I'll just tell you right now, if you're, if you're unwilling to do some things in worship like you've never done before, I, I, I'm telling you right now, I, I, and I'm not saying this to brag, but I've literally been worshiping since five o'clock yesterday. Leanne called me at five o'clock yesterday wondering if I wanted some Chick-fil-A. And I couldn't already, almost couldn't talk because I answered the phone because I was weeping. You know, she would tell you, I couldn't even hardly have the phone conversation because I was just by myself in my, in my quiet time in the presence of God worship. I, I, I'll, I'll just say this. It's a phrase the Lord gave me some time ago, but it's, it, it bears repeating. Please never let your public worship outdo your private worship. And there's some of you that get in this room, and I love it. I love the corporate atmosphere and the faith that's in a corporate atmosphere. I love it. And you're in there, and you're worshiping, and you're getting after it. You're going for it. Have you ever done that on a Monday? You ever done that on a Tuesday? Or a Wednesday? Or a Thursday? Or a Friday? Or how about when you're having a sucky middle moment in your life? Can I, I think you can say sucky in church, but start something new here. When your middle is not going the way you want it to go, I, I, I suggest, how about you worship on Sunday and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and you invite the presence of God and maybe you'll discover what Moses discovered. I'm not gonna do the middle if your presence isn't here and I know how to get the presence. I come into your gates with thanksgiving. Come into your courts with praise. Some of you just need that. Something happens when you know he's with you, when you feel that he's with you. The middle can be terrible, but you can be happy. All the things in the natural about the middle could look just awful. But ah, he's here. He's with you. Last thing I'll say, and I, don't, I literally don't have hardly any time to expound on this. We'll go into some of it next week. Third thing, in the middle, you're going to need his people. You're going to need his people. You're going to need his word. You're going to need his presence. And this one's probably the most overlooked at times you're going to need his people. I'll just tell you this. Most of us in here, the middle causes us to isolate ourselves. When we get in the middle and things aren't going the way we want, the, 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 the nature of what we, the flesh wants to do and what the enemy tries to convince us that we should do is isolate ourselves. So in the middle, we stop hanging out with friends. We stop going to church. We, we, we isolate ourselves. And I'll tell you this about one of the reasons we do this is because we don't want some people to see our mess in the middle. We're ashamed of our mess in the middle. We don't want anybody to think that we don't have it all figured out in the middle. We're perfectly content when we get in public looking like our middle is just amazing. And then we go home and cry <laughs> and pout and kick the dog. My dogs need kicks sometimes. Sorry, sidetrack. Can I just tell you, many times the answer for your middle is not even in the Bible and it's not even in his presence. 
It's in the person that he's connected to you. It's in the people he's put around you. When you're in the middle and things aren't going your way, the God in somebody next to you might be the very thing that you need. Are you willing to open your life up to the people around you? I can't, tell, I can't tell how many times that I, the people in my life have helped me in the middle. And I, you know, I, and I can go into so many different things, but I, I think of a story. Just the other day, we were in New York with, with Josh, me and Leanne and Josh and Lindsay. We, we spent Thanksgiving in, in New York City, and we were walking down the street, and um, me and Josh were behind. I don't know if you've told this story yet, but me and Josh were walking behind, and the ladies were walking in front, and all of a sudden, this drunk, high guy in front grabbed Lindsay, Josh's wife, by the arm and kind of spun her around. So we're standing back behind and all of a sudden, it was so funny to watch this, we walk up to him and Josh's like, hey man, are you okay? And he's like, yeah man, she's so pretty. And I was like, yeah, and she's married too. And so all of a sudden, Jesus help me, I'm ready to fight. I'm like, you don't touch another guy's wife. And it wasn't even my wife. And Josh is like, hey, man, can I talk to you about Jesus? And I'm like, no, no, no. No, Jesus. Fisticuffs. <laughs> I'm all Irish all of a sudden. Like, who does it? And I, we've, we've laughed and thought about this. And we, ended up, we Josh ended up ministering to the guy. I just stood on the side like, yeah, yeah, Jesus loves you, yeah, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> but let me just say this. That, see, I, I, I have chosen in my life to surround my people, myself, myself with people that aren't like me, people that don't do things the way I do things, have different gifts. But I'm so thankful that I have because there's times like that when, when in the middle of my journey, those people show me how I should be acting. And they, they rub those sharpest edges off of me. And I look back and I, it was just one of those moments where it's like, I'm thankful I have people like that in my life because I've committed to not just his word, not just his presence, I'm committed to his people. I'm committed to allowing other people in my life, even as the senior pastor of this church or whatever, but allow other people on my staff, quote unquote, underneath me in the, in the pyramid of, of, of authority. No, that we're, in the kingdom, we're all right here. We're all on the same level. We're all doing the same thing. And sometimes there's some character issues you, that you're going to have that are going to cause your middle to be rough. Not God, it's not the devil, it's you. <laughs> just some character things. It's not a, it doesn't mean he doesn't love you, it doesn't mean he's not gonna, you're not going to heaven. That's not what it's about. It's just about some behavior things that are going to cause you to deal with some things. Some behaviors, some, some, some temper flares up, some, some quick to speak <laughs> in a moment. But when you surround yourself with people that maybe that's not their issue, that's not the area that they struggle in, all of a sudden you get around them and you start watching how they, but Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. How many people do you have in your life that you're saying, I'm going to follow them like they're following Christ. I'm going to love people like they love people as they follow Christ. I'm going to, whatever that is, there's, there's God in people. Every single person in here, there's something in you that's uniquely you, but it's perfectly God. And if I, if I, that, that's another thing about church, every, there are Three or four hundred in this room right now. Three or four hundred unique facets of God sitting right in this room right now. And when you do life with these people, when you commit to the local church, when you say, oh, you know what? I'm going to get around as much God as I possibly can. Now, sometimes they're going to frustrate you because they didn't do it the way you did it or, or would do it. They don't think the way you think. They don't talk the way you talk. They don't look the way you look. That's the point. Neither does God. 
He's not as small as you think he is. God's a lot bigger than the way that you think. He says his ways are higher than your ways. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts. He put his ways and his thoughts in different people. And the more you get around those different people and commit to those people, the more you start to encounter him. In the middle, you're going to need his word. In the middle, you're going to need his presence. And in the middle, you're going to need his people. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed our podcast today. You can find out more about our ministry at RenewLifeChurch.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Also, our app is available for download so that you can stay up to date. Again, we are so glad you joined us. If you're in the Midland Odessa area, we invite you to come be our guest at one of our services. Have a great day, and we hope to see you soon.